Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in. It's 106.7 The Fan. Overtime. Toby Altizer with you. Up until 6.30, 6.45. Talking about the commanders. You scared about tomorrow. And not scared in the fact that you know, maybe they could win or, or or what could happen, but scared that maybe this team is going to ruin their draft position of drafting inside the top five. We can talk about that. also want to talk about organizational philosophy. I, I think this is a good discussion to have because we're talking about the NFL draft, and we're talking about that because of where the commanders are currently drafting, right? We're looking ahead to what's going on and you're looking at it you're saying do you want the quarterback first or do you want to build the team first because I think this comes up in what they're going to be doing in their draft position like do you want to get the quarterback and have him in place or do you want to try to build the team and I think that comes into the decision when you're sitting there drafting in the top five do you end up wanting to take the the offensive lineman to make sure that your line is steady or do you want to go ahead and take the quarterback and see if he can improve things around you so we'll come up we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit also want to talk about some audio we heard from Bradley Beal I thought it was interesting to see he had a I forget where it's from I think it's from Mark Spears on Twitter and he was talking about the the Capitals and the Wizards possible move to Virginia he didn't necessarily like that and I like the fact that he was basically saying it needs to stay in DC so we'll we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit Linnell Willingham's going to join us coming up at 4 30 but let's start by talking about this game for tomorrow do you want to see the Commanders win? Do you want to see them beat the Jets? Or, or do you want to just see them lose out the rest of the way? Like, what are you looking for? 800-636-1067. You can give us a call on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can also tweet at me at Toby underscore Altizer. And honestly, I, I don't know how to feel about tomorrow because it's one of those things where you can never yell at someone as a fan and say you should not be cheering for your team to win because that just doesn't seem right. Like, I can't come on these airwaves and say that you, the fan that wants to see your team win, is wrong. Like, PFT commenter was on with Bean Bitch and Finley, and I thought he laid it out perfectly, right? Seven days of the week, I you know, I get to watch them once uh, every week, and I get to watch them 17 times in the year. Those 17 times for that three-hour window, I'm going to be cheering for them, right? Like, that's just ingrained in you as a fan. It's kind of tough to sit there on the couch and see them make a good play and think, man, that's not what we need right now. But at the same point, when you think about where they're at and you think about the future, they're going to be better off if they end up losing these football games. So it's an odd spot to be at, and I think this is why... This season really just needs to be over for this team because I think there's so much hope for the future of this team. I think there's so much excitement for the future of this team, right? Like when you look ahead to the offseason, when you look ahead to next year and beyond, you've got the new ownership group and, you know, you can actually start to see them take their, take the reins and put their thumbprint on things, right? And it's going to be interesting to see how different things look. Because I think that they didn't really have a chance to do much going into this season. They didn't have a chance to really change everything over to the way that they wanted it. I mean, think about the fact that they came in here 
just a couple of weeks before training camp, right? Or like a week before training camp. So they couldn't bring in their own coaching staff. They couldn't bring in a new GM. They couldn't really change tons and tons of stuff. Really, all that they could do was come in here and evaluate. And I think this year, that's kind of what it was about. The whole thing was an evaluation period to see whether the coaching staff was right, whether the players were right, whether the people on the business side were right. I think you saw that all of that was kind of what they were doing. But I just don't think that they had a chance to really make any big moves. Well, now you've had the full year. You've been able to evaluate everything. You've been able to look at everything and see, all right, well, obviously the coaching staff is probably going to be gone, and that probably needs to be moved on. You've looked at the roster now and seen that, you know what, as many blue-chip players as we thought we had here in D.C., really you don't have that many. And, you know, if you want to make an argument, they traded a couple of them away, and, and Chase Young and Montez Sweat, that's fine as well. But the reality is there's not many guys right now that you look at and say, yeah, that guy needs to be here next year, right? I mean, I think Terry, the nice part about last week, I think, was seeing Terry McLaurin do his thing once again and become that guy that we all knew he could be. So that was nice to see. But is there anyone else that you're feeling like you're standing on the table for has to be here next year? I don't think there is. And so I think this whole year has been an evaluation period. And so now you're getting to evaluate this team It'd be a lot easier to make moves and bring in a new general manager, bring in a new head coach. If they're sitting there drafting high, drafting in the top four, probably. And, you know, the the odds from ESPN were that if you if the commanders were to lose out, they'd be a 33 percent chance to land a top two pick. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later in terms of QB prospects. Are you sold on any? You know, I heard some various people talking nationally about these quarterback prospects and say what you will about Caleb Williams and whether you like his character, whether you like his leadership, whatever the case may be on the field in terms of just football ability. He is as skilled as any prospect coming out in quite some time. Right. And then when you think about the when you think about Drake May, I thought it was interesting hearing Albert Breer. He was on, uh, I believe it was NBC Sports in Boston, and he was talking about Drake May, obviously the, the Patriots sitting right there at the number two pick currently. And I thought it was interesting to hear him say that in terms of ranking him among quarterbacks in the last four or five drafts, I believe it was the last four, that Drake May was the third guy they had ranked out of all the quarterback prospects just behind Trevor Lawrence and Caleb Williams. And so maybe you're big on Drake May. And if there's a possibility that you're going to be up there at number two to take Drake May, you got a lot to be excited about, right? A one in three chance if you lose out. And that's where it gets interesting and it's tough where this team's at because on Sunday, you're going up against Trevor Simeon. <laughs> you know, you're going up against Trevor Simeon tomorrow. I don't know when Trevor Simeon was at his best. And even when he was playing with the Broncos, he wasn't that great, right? You're going up against him, an offense that has been the worst in football. Your defense has been bad, so maybe you've got a chance to give up some points, but it's just not great because you don't want to win this football game for the betterment of the future of this team. And again, I'm not going to say that you're wrong if you think that you want to see the team win. That's fine. I have no issue with you cheering for your football team. I'm not going to yell at you about that. But in terms of the betterment long-term of this football team, they're better off if they lose on Sunday. I'm just wondering, are you scared about that? Does it really matter to you? Because the other side of this, I know there's only three games, but if Sam Howell were to come out here and win two of the next three games, right? If he were to come out here and play really well, say against Dallas in Week 18 like we saw last year again, right? Say maybe he goes out to New York against a really good Jets defense. As bad as they are offensively, they're as good defensively, right? So if he goes out there and plays really well, throws for three touchdowns, throws for 275 yards, and they win the football game, are you going to be mad about that? Because I don't know that you can be mad in that case either. Because as much as I want to talk about the quarterback prospects coming out in the draft, if Sam starts winning football games and starts to look more like the guy that we saw against Philadelphia, like the guy that we saw that was getting better each week towards the middle of the season, like the guy that we saw against Seattle, right? If he looks like that guy again, then maybe you're a little more confident going forward. I think we've seen a pretty bad stretch here out of Sam Howell the last three to four games, right? Uh, outside of that Seattle game, he's kind of struggled, right, after that game. If he can get back to the guy that was improving and playing better, and you're now drafting in the 8, 9, 10 spot, 
it might be worse in terms of draft position, and maybe you miss out on taking one of the top two quarterbacks or top three if you want to throw in Jaden Daniels, and maybe you miss out on Fashanu, maybe you miss out on Marvin Harrison Jr., but you might be better off because you know your quarterback position is set, or at least for next year it's set, right? So it's a weird spot to be in for this team, and it's almost interesting to hear the different fans' perspectives from all over the place because some fans, like I said, want to see them still win. Some fans want to see them lose. Some fans, and this is the one that makes no sense to me, want to see them get blown out. I don't know how that benefits anyone, right? I I think losing close and seeing some improvement from some guys is good. You know, you improve it. You keep your draft position where it's at. Maybe improve it if the Cardinals or the Patriots were to win, right? But I don't know how losing by 20 tomorrow helps this team at all because then it just shows you that there's probably no one on this team worth keeping because the Jets are horrible and you cannot lose to them by 20. But I think it's an interesting spot to be at. So I want to hear from you guys, 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. One, do you want to see the Commanders win tomorrow? If you do, are you worried about the draft position? Does it not matter to you? What do you want to see in tomorrow's game against the Jets? We'll continue talking about the Commanders here on 106.7 The Fan. Keep it tuned to Overtime. We'll, we'll be back in a few. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's overtime, 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you up till 6.45. Then we'll turn it over to some Caps hockey. How about it? Back-to-back wins in overtime the last couple of nights, so that's nice to see. The Capitals, one of the older teams in hockey, and yet they play well on back-to-backs, especially the second night of back-to-backs. Doesn't make much sense, but hey, man, whatever it is, they need to keep doing it. Hopefully they can get Ovi going now that he's got rid of that goalless streak. It'd be nice to see if he can get things going because I'd much rather have the discussion of when he's going to break Gretzky's goal as opposed to if he's going to break Gretzky's record, right? I'd rather have that discussion. But let's get back into the commander's talk. So they're going to take on the Jets tomorrow. Do you want to see them win? Does it matter to you? What do you want to see out of this team tomorrow? 800-636-1067 if you want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. And I think it still comes down to Sam Howell. You know, before the game against the Rams, coming out of the bye week, to me it felt like there wasn't a ton that Sam Howell could do to change my opinion on what we'd seen all year long. I felt like he'd done enough that if they wanted to stick with him next year, that they would be justified in doing so. And if they decided that they wanted to draft a guy, he hadn't shown enough to be for sure the guy next year, they'd be justified in taking a guy. So I I feel like last week seeing what happened, it did change my mind just a little bit in terms of the offense started to run so much more efficiently when Sam Howell was sat on the bench. And that's obviously a myriad of reasons why. You have a defense that isn't playing as up. They're playing more of the prevent. I understand all of the various factors that allowed Jacoby to come in and start playing exceptionally well when Sam had struggled all game long. I get all of that. But at the same point, the ball was coming out more on time. The throws were being made. Terry McLaurin was somehow involved now, unlike he had been all season long. So it makes me wonder if 
Sam has maybe struggled a little bit in terms of running stuff in the structure of the offense. And if that's the case, he's just he needs to be able to run things in the structure. You know, I think one of the knocks on a guy like a Caleb Williams, who we'll talk about more in a little bit, is the fact that so much of the stuff that he does is off schedule stuff. And you can kind of get away with that sort of a thing in college football, because sometimes you're just a superior athlete or you're just a superior football player. And you can kind of get away with those things. When you get to the national football league, there's very few guys that can just say that they are on a tier of their own. And unfortunately, Sam Howell's not one of those guys. There's really hardly ever a guy in the National Football League that can just say, I'm on my own level. And the, Sam's not one of those guys. So he can't just continue to live off schedule. He needs to be able to do things within the scheme of the offense. And it was a little bit alarming just to see how much more efficient it was when Jacoby came in and you wonder Maybe Sam struggles in that sort of a thing. Maybe it's something where he's still adjusting and hasn't learned how to play within the scheme of an offense. And if that's the case, that is a little bit alarming. But again, I think when you look at the season as a whole, and we're going to talk to Linnell Willingham coming up in about 45 minutes, talk to him at 430. But I thought it was interesting seeing a tweet that he had responded to, basically saying that Sam's been the same guy all year. Why are all of a sudden people turning on him? And basically saying he hasn't improved one bit. And I don't know that that's the case. I feel like he has improved in the off-schedule stuff. The problem is, like I said, you can make some great plays off-schedule. Mahomes does it all the time, and those are the ones you see on Twitter, right? Those are the ones that when you Google or you look on YouTube and find the Patrick Mahomes highlights or look up Sam Howell in college even and find the Sam Howell highlights. It's not ones where he's taking a three-step drop and throwing a slant. That's not the highlights that you see. It's the ones where he's running around for 10 seconds back there and heaving at 40 yards down the field. That's the highlight plays. Those are awesome. Maybe you get one or two of those a game. The plays that don't get shown on the highlight reel are probably the more important ones, like the three-yard slant, like the the eight-yard out route, getting the ball out on time, getting it out accurately, right? Those sorts of things, I don't know if we've seen enough of Sam Howell this year, and I think that's probably the part that if you want to say that Sam Howell shouldn't be the guy next season, those are the things that I think you can lean on. I feel like he has shown me enough, though, in terms of off-schedule stuff and in terms of his work ethic that I feel like he can be the guy next year if you need to go with someone. And so to me, when you look at this Jets game, yeah, I think you'd love to be picking inside the top five. But I think the most important thing for this offseason and for this team has been and will continue to be the quarterback position. And if that's the case, it all comes down to what you're going to see out of Sam Howell for these last three games. And I don't know, again, that if he plays horrible, like throws for 100 yards, gets benched again, yeah, it's going to change your opinion. Or on the flip side, if he throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns, it's going to change your opinion. But I don't know that either of those things are going to happen. Maybe it's more likely that he does get benched again. But let's just assume that he plays steady Eddie football over the next three games. Okay, let's say he throws 230 yards, throws for a touchdown, two touchdowns, maybe throws a pick, rushes for a couple yards, right? Doesn't take as many sacks as he did at the beginning of the year, but kind of shows that he has at least improved in some aspects. I think that he can still be the guy. It's one of those things where I think he's shown you enough on film all throughout the season that next year, if they wanted to roll with him, they could. And so we're going to have this discussion coming up at the top of the hour talking about how do you feel as an organization you should build things? How do you feel that you should go about it? If you were a GM, would you go about it finding the quarterback, or would you go about it trying to build the team? Because I think you can make arguments for both, but I think if we have this discussion and have the nuance to this discussion and talk about how you feel about it in terms of your organizational philosophy, I think that can answer the question of what you should do in the draft. Because a lot of people are leaning one way or the other. Oh, you've got to take a quarterback when you're drafting in the top five. Neil Greenberg was on with B. Mitch and Finley. Thought up, brought up a great point, right? You look at this team... Just a couple of years ago, they were drafting second overall, and they took Chase Young. And that's not a bad pick if you look back at it in terms of where they were at. You look at the prospect that Chase was. People weren't immediately coming out in the publications the next day saying, this is a stupid pick, horrible, F grade. No, they weren't saying that. But the reality is they missed out on a quarterback, not saying that 
we knew Tua was going to be what Tua is now. Not saying we for sure knew what Herbert was going to be, what Herbert is now. We, we don't know. And maybe if Herbert or Tua ends up in D.C., they're not the same guy. Who knows? But the point is, when you're drafting that high, it feels like you have to take the chance at the quarterback. They tried for years here to try to build the team and then drop the quarterback in, and they've not been able to find the quarterback. So I think, and we'll have more in-depth discussion, I'll break down all these various examples as well, but I think it all comes back to the quarterback position for this team. You know, we thought that this team at least had been built up in a way that maybe you could drop a quarterback in. I mean, this team last season was 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. And to me, it feels like they're not tangibly worse in terms of roster and looking at it on paper. But somehow, on the football field, they are very much a worse football team than they were last season. The offense, I think, has improved. Not hugely, but I think it has improved largely in terms of the points. I think the efficiency in some ways has improved. But I don't think it's a huge improvement, right? But then you look defensively, and they went from a top 10 defense in many metrics to maybe the worst defense in the National Football League. And it's a lot of the same stuff. So it's an odd spot to be in, and it's just a weird thing because I think people have thought for years that this team was really close, the last couple of years especially, under Ron. It felt like if you got the right quarterback into D.C., things could get turned around. And I think that if you look at this year compared to last year, even though you can look at the stats and maybe the stats tell me that I'm wrong here, but I feel like Sam's a clear upgrade over what Taylor Heineke was giving you, and yet this team is somehow worse. So again, this discussion of what should they do in the draft I think is going to be intriguing, and we're going to dive really deep into it over the next couple of months, and we're going to talk about every prospect that there is that could come up we're going to talk about them all in depth. We're going to break all of this stuff down. But I think these final three games, if there's one thing you want to watch for, or one thing you want to cheer for, I think it's still just got to be Sam Howell. It seems like that's what this whole season has boiled down to. Like I talked about, I think when you look at the coaching staff, when you look at the front office, when you look at the business side, when you look at the, the roster as a whole, for the most part, it was an evaluation period for basically everybody, for Josh Harris to come in here, get his feet wet, kind of understand what was going on, and allow everything to play out and then make a decision at the end of the year. And somehow it all boiled down to, at the end of the day, uh, the end of the day how does Sam Howell play? How does he present himself as a starting quarterback? And so these final three games, I think, are just another step in his audition to prove whether he should be the guy, or at least the guy next season for this football team. And I think one thing is for sure. I think he has proved that he can be a starting quarterback in this league. Is he a top half of the league starter? I don't know. I think he can still get there. I think he's got the potential. I don't know that he can be that next year. I don't know if he's that guy, right? So maybe if that's the case, you want to move on either way. Okay, fine. But I think he's shown you that he can be a quarterback in this league. The question then becomes, has he shown you enough to be the guy that you want to try to build around? Or do you want to have him be the placeholder while you build the roster? So these final three games, win, loss, whatever the case may be, I think the most important thing is looking at that box score and watching the tape back and seeing, okay, Sam Howell was efficient with the football. He's taking care of it. He's not taking sacks. And running the offense as it's meant to be run. Like, I don't want to have to see another situation where Jacoby Brissett comes in in relief and all of a sudden the offense starts clicking. I don't care what the different circumstances are in terms of what different coverages the defense is playing. The reality is Sam looked inefficient and really poor in the time he was on the field against Los Angeles. And Jacoby came in and looked efficient and moved the ball and scored. So whatever you want to take out of that, I think it's pretty obvious that there's something that's a disconnect right now with Sam and EB and the way he's playing. Hopefully they can figure it out. The last three games are kind of a really, honestly, a last chance for Sam to kind of claim his job here, at least for next season. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to dive deep into this. Should you go for the quarterback first or should you build the team first? Because I think when we really answer that question, and again, it's kind of a preference thing. I don't think there's a correct way or a wrong way. I think that it can go either direction. But in terms of how you feel about it, I'll lay it all out. In terms of how you feel about it, I think will make the difference in what this team should do with their draft pick, assuming they're able to stay in the top five. We'll talk about that next here on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Toby Altizer with you here on Overtime 106.7 The Fan. Linnell Willingham coming up at 4.30. I'm taking you up till Capitals Hockey, up till 6.45 here on The Fan. Vic, you brought up a great point in the break there. We're talking about Commanders Jets. I didn't want to get into this organizational philosophy discussion here in just a second, but you brought up a great point. Back in Hard Knocks, when the Jets were on Hard Knocks, they showed this wall that they were going to throw up pictures from. Was it from every game, Vic, or was it just from wins? I think it was after every game, but I mean, I think they only had, what, three preseason games? I can't remember if they won all three. But, but it was like yeah. it was like a brick by brick sort of thing, right? It was kind of like a yeah. brick, and they're going to post a picture of each each game up there. What's the what's the picture going to be from the Commanders game? Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> Sam Howell throwing darts to Terry McLaurin. I mean, what are we looking at here? <laughs> well, and the other thing is, if it's only after wins, I'm hoping Sam Howell or whoever is not going to be on that wall. <laughs> yeah, getting getting sacked or, or something like that. Or maybe that. I do. Yeah. Maybe, you know, if you want the team to lose, maybe you do want them up on the wall. I don't know. It's just funny to think that all this buildup for the Jets. And you know what? Honestly, you know who suffered more than the, the New York Jets? Fans. When the Aaron Rodgers went down, fans have suffered more than the New York Jets. Why? Because we've had to watch the Jets in prime time so much yes. this year, and it was all supposed to be with Aaron Rodgers, and instead we've had to watch Zach Wilson. At one point, somehow, they went to a guy that threw more interceptions than touchdowns in college in Tim Boyle, and now it's Trevor Simeon. I mean, oh. But we got to see the, 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 the was it the Hell Mary on uh, Black Friday against the Dolphins on primetime. I mean, that was pretty classic. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't, uh, but I mean, hey, maybe they're just the ultimate example of the year of the backup quarterback. It, it, yeah. On the other side is, right, you have like the Vikings who've, Josh Dobbs has kind of been in and out, but they've won some football games. You have obviously the Bengals, they've won some football games with Browning. And then you have the Jets who have gone with all of their backup quarterbacks since, what, the the fifth snap of the year, and it has not been great. <laughs> their offense not. has been atrocious. So maybe maybe they're just the other side of this. But let's have a discussion here about organizational philosophy. And I know you're like, wow, this is boring on a, on a Saturday before Christmas. But I think this kind of leads into what you want to talk about the commander should do in the NFL draft. Do you want to draft the quarterback and have your quarterback first, or do you want to build the team first? I, I honestly think, and, you know, again, this is why maybe I'm not the best media member there is, right? I, I'm not the guy that gives you the hot takes, right? I'm not the guy that goes extreme one side or the other. I think a lot of times you live somewhere in the middle. And I think context matters in this sort of situation. And when you look at this, I think the commander is going to be sitting there in a spot where you have a chance at a quarterback. I think when you have the chance at quarterback, you almost have to take him. Now, not to say that you shouldn't go find ways to go get your quarterback, but when you're drafting in the top five, and this is why I think it's foolish if the Bears were to decide that they're going to stick with Justin Fields once again. I think it'd be foolish to do that because you've been in a spot to take a quarterback. I mean, last year they had the number one overall pick, and they're probably going to have the number one overall pick again this year by way of the Panthers. But you can't just continue to pass on quarterbacks hoping your guy pans out. I'll go back to the commander's example. You know, Dwayne Haskins was in town. And I think some people were enamored with him. Some people weren't. Whatever the case may be, you know, you're still going to give him a chance. And you end up drafting Chase Young. And look, we know how the Chase Young situation ended. But just even assume that he ends up being a good player, right? Uh, maybe not the all pro, maybe not an Aaron Donald type player, but just assume that he ends up being a good player, somewhat like he was his rookie year, right? I think you'd still be happy with a draft pick, but you would have preferred a quarterback, right? Because a defensive end can make an impact on a game, but he can't make an impact on a game like a quarterback can, and really no other position on the field can. 
And so this is why I think when you're in that position to take a quarterback, you have to do it. And this is why I think this discussion of the commander sitting there in the top four and not even considering trading up, right? I've brought this up before. I felt like it's something that you'd at least have to put on the table if Chicago decided, hey, we're going to roll with Fields again. That number one pick is up for grabs. I think it's something you'd have to consider moving up to one to take Caleb Williams. And maybe you don't like Williams. Maybe you want to go with May. But I think you'd have to consider that. Why? Because when you're in an opportunity to take a quarterback, you do it. And I understand all of you that bring up, well, they don't have an offensive line. Well, they need to improve the defense. I understand all of that. But it's so difficult to find the quarterback. It's the most important position on the field, and it's the hardest one to find. And when you're in the position to take one, you got to do it. A quarterback, to me, can elevate the entire team more than any other position can by itself, right? A quarterback can make a shoddy offensive line look better by getting the ball out on time, by making quick decisions, by doing various things. And obviously that works in concert with a good offensive coordinator and all these various things. But think back to the year that the Bengals went to the Super Bowl with Joe Burrow. It's not as if they had an incredible offensive line. No, they had a pretty bad offensive line. But you had Joe Burrow elevating the play of the guys around him. Right, So I feel like if you get a chance to bring in the quarterback, if he's truly one of those elite-level guys, then you can have him elevate the team around him. And the other thing to me is this. Quarterbacks, unless you get lucky, like the the, the 49ers with Brock Purdy, quarterbacks generally are going to cost a lot if you want to go get the right one. Either it's going to cost you a first-round pick, You know, think about all the guys that have been drafted really highly and they've panned out, right? Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall pick. Joe Burrow, even Mahomes had to be traded up for a top 10 pick. Josh Allen, these guys have to be drafted highly. So it's going to have to either require a lot of draft capital in terms of being at the number one pick, or you have to trade. Think about some of these other deals that have been made to go get their quarterback because they felt like they built the team and then they need to go get the quarterback. Think about the Jets this year with Aaron Rodgers. They had to pick swap a first they basically sent what was going to be a first but because he got hurt it's now going to be a second and an extra second and then they swap some late round picks so essentially two twos and a pick swap in the first but it was probably going to be a one and a two for a guy that maybe he's going to be there one or two years maybe not as steep as you'd think but that's a decently steep price right it's not free think about the Stafford trade two ones two twos two threes and they gave up golf and yes some of the stuff is golf's contracts so they had to throw in extra draft capital fine but think about that Stafford trade I think that worked out fine where they built the team and then you know they had golf but they didn't feel like golf was the guy so they ended up having to get their quarterback and you can look at that as, as an example of building the team and then finding the right quarterback my point is this quarterbacks gonna cost a lot regardless right I don't think it necessarily matters the time when you spend all these things. Think about this, right? If you want to trade up from four to one, you're probably going to have to trade a two, a three. If you can find a way to not have to give up another one, that'd be great. But maybe you have to give up another one. So you pick swap this year. You trade a two. You trade a three. Say you trade next year's one. Maybe throw in a four or something like that. But either way, it's a two, a three, and a one. You're telling me you wouldn't do that if you know you're going to get your franchise guy? It's going to cost a lot regardless. And think back to what happened when the team decided to pass on quarterback and number two overall, and they took Chase Young. The next year, they went on a fun ride. We all enjoyed it. They picked 19th the next year. They didn't have a chance to go up to get their guy, right? So quarterback is always going to be expensive. Now, I understand all the things that you can lay out. It can hinder his development by not having a good offensive line and weapons around him. We're seeing that in Carolina, right? It's the hardest position to predict. You could draft a guy. You could trade all this. Look at the Niners. They traded all this stuff to go get Trey Lance and Brock Purdy suddenly as the MVP, right? They would have obviously done so much differently if they knew Brock Purdy was going to be the guy, but they didn't know. They thought Trey Lance was going to be that guy. They got that wrong. And continuing to take quarterback year after year and trying different things to keep hitting on quarterback. And yeah, it can really screw up a roster. So I understand. I think there's pros and cons to all these things. But to me, my reasoning for why I think the quarterback needs to be the top priority is when you're drafting where the commanders are drafting, you're drafting inside the top five. There's a possibility you even get up to the top two. But I don't think anyone would have an issue taking a quarterback if they're drafting top two. My point is this. I think if you're drafting number four overall, I think you realistically have to consider making a move to go to number two, number one overall, and go get a quarterback. 
And the reason being, it's just hard to get them. And yes, it's going to cost a lot, but it's always going to cost a lot to get a quarterback. And if you can find the right quarterback, he can elevate the offensive line. And especially when you look at the place where this roster is at right now. Yeah, you don't feel necessarily great about a lot of guys. But I think if you put these guys in the right system, you can start seeing some of these guys turn around and you have extra picks. So you wouldn't really be losing out on the picks you already had, right? So say you had to throw in a two, say you had to throw in a three, say you had to throw in next year's pick. Essentially, you're giving up what you got for Sweat, you're giving up what you got for Chase Young, and you're giving up one of your own picks, right? So you're not having to give up as much. And you've got 75, 80, maybe even 85 million in cap space next year. So the idea that you can't fix the offensive line despite making a move to go get a quarterback, I think is a little bit not nuanced enough, right? You're, you're kind of narrow-sighted, nearsighted, right? You're not looking at the fact that you can spend in free agency to improve the offensive line. Is it easier if you just took Fashanu out of Penn State? Absolutely. But at the same point, I can go find some guys to improve the offensive line. And if I bring in a quarterback that is better at understanding some of these concepts and getting the ball out on time and making plays, he can elevate those guys around him. And I think the nice part is on offense, it's not the playmakers that are the issue. I think this team has enough playmakers. I think the issue in Carolina this year that you're seeing is they trade up to go get Bryce Young. And I think Bryce Young is one of those guys, to me, kind of like Tua, where they're a solid quarterback when the guys around them are elite. They can get the ball in their hands. They're the point guard of an offense, right? They don't necessarily score 30 a night, but they get you 10 dimes, and they look really good. Think of Rondo back in the day with the Celtics, right? I think of that sort of a guy, and that's kind of what Tua, Bryce Young, those types of guys remind me of, where when they don't have the guys around them to do the scoring, then they're going to look kind of below average. But when they have the guys around them to do it, they can look really good. You can't even make that argument here. Right, They've got Terry McLaurin. I think Jahan Dotson, you get him back in the right system, will look more like the guy you saw in his rookie year. Brian Robinson will be back. Right, you got to improve the offensive line and the tight end position, but it's not as if he's going to have no one to throw to. It's not like Carolina where the number one dude is, what, Adam Thielen? You're throwing it to DJ Chark? And even so, you look at the Texans, right? They had a okay team. I don't think anyone thought that the Texans were that great. You drop in C.J. Stroud, and suddenly Nico Collins is a household name. Suddenly Tank Dell, a guy that was drafted in the third round, is turning into a stud. Noah Brown, a guy that got cast off by the Cowboys, is looking like a good receiver, right? I think if you can find the right guy, and I think there's two of them in this draft. I think it's Drake May. I think it's Caleb Williams. Maybe you want to talk about Jaden Daniels. That's fine. I think there's two in this draft that if you find a way to get that guy, you can make the rest of the roster look fine. And he's going to make up for holes in the rest of the roster. I mean, these elite guys have done it for years, right? I mean, I used to work out in Wisconsin. Aaron Rodgers covered up years of mistakes by the Green Bay front office. Tom Brady covered up years of mistakes by New England and Bill Belichick, right? Because those guys can elevate the guys around them. When you get a chance to get a guy, like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. And yes, I understand the risk. Maybe they'll be a bust. I get it. The offensive lineman could bust, but the benefit, the risk-reward, everything is a risk when you do these things. There are no 100% can't-miss guys. The risk-reward to me when you get a guy like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May at one or two is so much better in terms of the risk or, or the reward than what the risk is. Yeah, you could end up missing. You could end up having to draft another quarterback in two or three years. We get all of that. We understand all of that. But is it any better to have your offensive line solidified and Zach Wilson types standing behind him or Trevor Simeon types or having retread guys consistently behind the line, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, Carson Wentz? No. So I think you can go either way on this for sure. But when you're drafting as high as this team is, I think you have to be very aggressive at finding a way to get the quarterback. And that being said, they might sit at four and the Bears might say we're taking Caleb Williams and the Patriots might say we're taking Drake May and they'll have to make a decision if they want Jane Daniels or not. And I, I don't know that I personally would take him at four. But either way, I think they need to be really aggressive looking at the quarterback position this offseason. And I don't think trading up should be off the table. Let's take a break. When we come back, I see we got some phone calls. We'll get to you guys next. 800-636-1067 if you want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Would you rather have the quarterback first or would you rather build the team first? We'll talk about it more next here on The Fan. It's overtime. 1067 The Fan. A couple of days till Christmas. 
and we're talking about the commanders not in a good fashion <laughs> seems like we do this far too often hopefully pretty soon we'll be talking about playoff position and talking about is this team a real contender or a pretender instead we're talking about the nfl draft because the season was done weeks ago what do you think quarterback first or build the team first 800-636-1067 on the mgm national harbor listener lines let's get out to shane in switzerland shane what's going on merry christmas to you how you guys doing down there in dc doing great man merry christmas to you as well hey look here's the thing i know everybody wants to draft a quarterback but it depends who's coming out right i mean i know there's a need there's a want but i ask you get the two best quarterbacks staying in the league at that point I think you build around Sam. So, uh, but has he proven he can play in this league? He can. But is he a franchise quarterback? I don't know. That's 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 you have to be noticed. So, uh, the defense. Look, here's the thing: the whole team needs to be rerun. I would trade John Allen and, and see where we can move up. He's late in his years anyway, so you know. I don't know. With I, I don't know what to say about this team right now. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, Shane. Appreciate it, and something. It definitely does depend on, you know, who what year it is, right? Whether you're going to go get a guy or not. And I think this is a year you could, right? One of those top two guys, I think you do that. I don't know that you stay put at four and take Jaden Daniels. I don't know how people feel about him. And I think he's one of those guys that eventually is going to rise up the ranks and people are going to fall in love with him. And sometimes you have to be a little bit wary of those guys that really rise up the draft boards after all the film is done, right? After they've already played all their college football games, then you start falling in love with some of the numbers that don't really necessarily always translate on the football field. So I think Jaden Daniels is a first-round quarterback. I don't think he's a top-five quarterback. But if it's one of those guys like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May and you have a chance to go get him, I think those are one of the guys that you can consider going for. I really do. Let's get out to Kevin, who is in Dunkirk. Kevin, what's going on? Hey, guys, uh, listen, I was around in 81 in Joe Gibbs' first draft. His first draft picks was Mark May, Rob Brown. They also got Joe Jacoby in free agency that year. In that draft, also Dexter Manley, Clint Didier, and downtown Charlie Brown. We have five Matadors on the offensive line. They all None of them can start on a contender. So we need to replace this, this offensive line. So, in my mind, I would rather go out here and, and, and draft some guys that's going to be around who's going to build so we, can, so we can build, so we can talk about playoffs and Super Bowls, okay? So, the most important uh, person is going to be who's picking these people because if they know how to draft, we're going to have four top picks in, uh, in the 100s. We can, we can rebuild this line through the draft and also – and free agency, but keep in mind, guys, Joe Montana and Tom Brady was third and fourth round draft picks. So you don't need a first round draft pick. And we won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, and none of them were uh, uh, first round caliber uh, draft choices. So I say build the team the correct way on the O line uh, and, 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 and uh, do it that way. Kevin, appreciate the phone call, man. And I, I think that's a good point. You know, I again, for me, I don't think there's a correct way. I view the quarterback as the most important, so I would tend to lean that way. I mean, it brings up a good point about the history of this football team, right? The history of this football team is three Super Bowl wins with three different quarterbacks, not first-round guys, and stud offensive linemen. So, yeah, of course, if you're going to try to build it the way that the old skins were, then you're going to draft the offensive line, and you're going to make it a stout front, and then you're going to work through that. I understand that. But I think time has changed a little bit in terms of the National Football League, and the quarterback is maybe even more important now than it was before. You know, you can only do so much defensively, so now the quarterback is kind of allowed to, one, he's a lot healthier because he's not getting hit as much, and two, he can do a lot more throwing the ball down the field just because of how the rules work and things. So to me, I fully understand your point, but I feel like you take your chance at quarterback and as much as you want to bring up Brady being a sixth rounder, you can bring up Brock Purdy being a seventh rounder. You can name hundreds of guys 
that didn't pan out in those rounds. You can do the same thing in the first round, but it's a, still a higher hit rate in the first five picks than any other place in terms of quarterbacks and whatever you want to deem as successful, right? So I, I understand it. I mean, Sam Howell's another example. He's a fifth-round pick, and we're talking about maybe he's going to be serviceable enough for next year. I understand it. But I think getting a difference-making quarterback can make up for a lot of other things, and I think you can find guards that can come in and play well for a relatively respectable deal in free agency, right? 10 to $15 million if you want to maybe even do a little bit less than that, right? You maybe can find a tackle, although they're going to be pretty expensive in free agency. But you're still going to have other picks. And that's my point in this is, you know, as much as you want to talk about you can find quarterbacks later on, you can also find linemen later on. And I think this is something that gives you hope for the future of this football team. Go look at the Seattle Seahawks draft. I think it was last year's draft. You know, some of the guys, Tariq Woolen, for whatever reason, wasn't on the field as much the other night. I don't know, but he's still a really good cornerback. But they found both of their tackles in the draft. One's a first-round tackle. One's a second-round tackle. They found a corner. They found a running back. You know, one really good draft class where you can name every guy off of it, or at least most of the guys off of it, can totally change a team. And so I think that's why there's a lot of excitement about this team in terms of you've got you got the picks, Right. And you also have the cap space to go make some real moves. And then you bring up the point, I think it was Kevin that said this, the most important thing, and I fully agree with this, isn't necessarily who the quarterback is or what all the, it's who's making the decisions. Because ultimately, if they're making the right decisions and they're the right guy, then you're going to get the right quarterback. You're going to get the right offensive line. They're going to make the right decisions on what to do for this team. Let's get to Tom in Fairfax. Tom, what's going on? How you doing? Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you as well, Tom. Hey, I, uh, my take on this is that uh, I think we got a pretty good quarterback that uh, has the physical tools uh, uh, that, that you need in a franchise quarterback. I'm not sure if any of these guys available have the arm strength and the moxie that Howell does. And you have to remember that Howell was projected as a first-round pick had he come out a year earlier, but lost the weapons. Two receivers to the NFL, two running backs to the NFL. You know, and I, I like the idea. I think somebody talked about trading back. You know, I think we could, looking at the draft pick trade chart, you could probably get a 110 and a 210 for the fourth pick. We got a lot of needs. I think we need a left tackle. We need a right tackle. We need a tight end. We need a big receiver. We need a third down back. We need edge rushers. We need a linebacker. We need a corner. We need a kicker. And I don't think, you know, giving up more assets to move up to take a quarterback, you know, you mentioned. Lawrence and Burrow. There's no Lawrence and Burrow in this draft. You know, you don't have a specific quarterback that you want to take, which is troublesome, right? Uh, well, one thing, real quick, Tom, real quick, Tom. You say there's not a Lawrence or a Burrow in this draft. I think that you can say Caleb Williams is in that sort of mold. He's maybe not that same style of quarterback, and yes, there's definitely concerns about the way he conducts himself at times, but talent-wise, I think he's right up there. And you look around, a lot of talent evaluators that know a lot more of this stuff than I do are talking about him in that same sort of level with guys like Lawrence. So I don't know where this narrative that Caleb Williams or maybe even Drake May isn't even in that same sort of discussion. You know, what concerns me about Caleb Williams is his stats against top 25 defenses. If you ever, if you ever take a look at that, he has piles it up against the weak teams. But if you look against the top 25 defenses, it's really bad. So, you know, that I think is a little bit of a concern. Um, you know, you mentioned Chase Young. You know, we should have taken a quarterback. I was all, you know, the, there were people that wanted to take a quarterback. I really wanted to take Tua. And uh, the, the difference here is we had Haskins, to me, is nowhere near what Howell is. So I think we have something that's more established than Haskins. And if you recall, you know, we were pretty close to having that Burrow pick that we you know, mm-hmm. uh, had to stop Miami going for two in like week 17 or whatever it is. Uh, you know, we we might have Burrow. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just, I like the idea of trading back. I do a lot of mocks, and I just mention all the all the needs. Would you agree we, we need all that stuff, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Tom, appreciate the phone call, man. Yeah, sorry cut you off there, Tom. But, yeah, I mean, he brings up good points. There are a lot of needs on this roster. And, look, I know my guy Grant Paulson is a huge fan of trading back, and he would love to do it. Heck, if Grant could trade back, he would take all the second and third and fourth round picks. He might trade back and just take all seventh rounders just so he can keep adding picks. And you know what? I understand that philosophy. I really do. 
My thing is, do you want to continue to fill the roster? Not to say a guy that you can get at 10 as opposed to four is a huge downgrade. But to me, if you're sitting there at four and you're saying, you know, you want to upgrade the offensive line. Well, the two best offensive linemen are going to be available at four, at least one of them, right? Joe Alt or Olu Fashanu is going to be available at four, one of those guys. If you trade down, say, five, six, seven picks, those guys probably aren't going to be available. And to me, I understand your point of needing lots of things over the roster. So do you want to just continue to fill things with good players, or do you want to get one great player that can be a cornerstone? I would tend to lean on the cornerstone guy, right? You know, think back to what Trent Williams was for this football team and what he is now, right? Would you trade Trent Williams for a you know, a good left tackle, but not maybe the best, maybe you would. And if that's the case, that's fine. But to me, I think if you can get a guy that you feel like is going to be a cornerstone piece, which you can probably get at number four, I think I'd be careful of trading down. And the other thing on that too, you traded Chase Young, you traded Montez Sweat, and you've got a lot of cap space. I think because of that, I'd be even less inclined to trade down because you've got extra assets already. Whereas if you were sitting there and you're strapped for cash and you're already missing a pick and you're maybe a little bit closer, then fine. You know, I'd be fine moving down and adding extra assets. But in this case, I think I would stay where I'm at and take probably the best tackle. If you're going to stay at four, to me, I think it's got to be the best tackle. And, you know, if a quarterback slips, maybe you take the quarterback if it's May or if it's Williams, probably not going to happen. But at four, personally, I'm probably taking the tackle if you're just going to stay there. I just think you need to be aggressive and take a look at these quarterbacks and maybe consider moving up to go get one. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk to Linnell Willingham. Let's get his thoughts on this. Is he sold on Sam Howell? I know he's a little bit, he's been kind of all over the place on the Howell bandwagon. How's he feeling about that? And we'll talk to him as well about offensive coordinator EB. His offense looked a little bit better with Brissett. Has EB been an issue this year or have we maybe not seen what EB fully can be? We'll talk with Linnell Willingham next here on The Fan. When you hear that music, you know what it means. Linnell Willingham can't be far away. Toby Altizer with you here on Overtime. Let's get out to the BetQL guest hotline and bring in the second youngest in charge, Linnell Willingham. <laughs> Linnell, what's going on, dude? What's going on, Toby? I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing great. So we got we got to talk about the commanders, and we were just having this discussion, kind of more of an organizational philosophy, but looking at it for the commanders in terms of where they're drafting, do you feel like you need to get the quarterback first, or would you rather build the team first? It's a it's a loaded question when you ask that, and I feel like you can't go wrong either way. It's all about ultimately the ability to hit on those draft picks around the quarterback, because we've seen that philosophy try to work here in Washington the last four years with Ron Rivera. They never really went out and tried to uh, go get a young quarterback high in the first round. And that was all because the excuse was they were building the roster up around them. And now we're in year four and they're still talking. About- Appears we lost Linnell Willingham. We'll get him back in just a second. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's a point that we haven't brought up as well. They haven't drafted well, right? Around Sam Howell, Taylor Heineke, like some of these guys just haven't panned out. And so one thing too, when you're going to do the roster, honestly, it goes both ways, but when you're going to roster build or you're going to draft the quarterback, whatever you have to hit on these picks, you have to make the right moves. I mean, you think about the, you think about that roster build, like you were talking about Linnell, they haven't necessarily hit on the right picks, but you know, I feel like with where they're at Linnell and possibly drafting inside the top five, assuming, you know, everything ended right now, I think you can be aggressive with quarterback too. Yeah, I, I definitely do feel that. I think anytime you have the ability to draft a guy that is, is potentially a franchise-altering talent, I think you got to go ahead and do it. And when you're in the top five, you know it's that's really the opportunity and the time you'll have to make a pick like that. So, if you're Washington in this particular situation, if the if the draft was today, Toby, Washington having the number four overall pick, I'd be really hard pressed to not go after a quarterback. Uh, depending on you know how you feel about the quarterbacks being available. I know Jaden Daniels is somebody that is going to continue to rise up draft boards as we get closer to April. And him and Drake May are, are really kind of, to me, battling for that quarterback number two spot behind Caleb Williams. But by the time we get to April, 
Toby, you know it. I mean, Jaden Daniels may very well be the number two quarterback prospect. So it'll be interesting to see what decision you have to make. But ultimately, I think whether it's Drake May uh, or Jaden Daniels, I think they're a better quarterback prospect than Sam Howe. Well, just real quickly on this, because I do want to get to some other current things for the team. Would you consider trading up? Because to me, that's the discussion here. Like at number four, the third quarterback, whoever it ends up being, will be available more than likely, right? That third guy will be available as well as tackle and all these other things. But I was saying that if the Bears were to decide for whatever reason to stick with Fields and Caleb Williams is available or even, you know, if the Patriots found a way to get a quarterback and they're willing to trade the number two pick and you get Drake May, I feel like that's got to be on the table as well. Yeah, I think the one thing I would say is depending on how much capital you'd have to give up to move uh, up, it may or may not be worth it to you. I think that's ultimately going to come down to whatever GM they hire. That's going to be a big-time decision you'll have to make, which is why I say this job is attractive. But as you're kind of (laughs) alluding to and laying out here, there are a lot of big-time decisions that need to be made, including the quarterback position, because we got three games left. And right now, uh, the narrative and – the play on the field is kind of swinging towards looking to replace Sam Howell based on what we've seen the last five weeks. And so let's stick with Sam Howell here because I saw you retweet a guy the other day. We interacted a bit with it, and he's basically saying Sam Howell's been the same guy all year. You said minor improvements but largely a factual statement. And I think that I felt like Sam has improved off schedule but I don't know that outside of that, it feels like you can tangibly grab anything that feels like he's really improved. Do you feel that same way? Yeah, and I think it's interesting because there's another quarterback within the division in Jalen Hurts that I think is having a lot of the same issues that Sam Howell is having in terms of going for the home run play, not taking what you're given. The old saying, everyone knows you can't go broke taking a profit. I think the one thing I've been frustrated with with Sam is not seeing him make the layups consistently and take the layups consistently. You know, uh, there are times where there are guys running underneath and you can end up picking up three or four yards and get yourself into second and, and eventually third and manageable. So, you know, a lot of the times I feel like there are guys running open and, and he's not letting the ball go. So that all comes with being a young quarterback, though. So I understand you have to be patient in terms of growing pains, but it feels like in that area in particular, I haven't seen the growth uh, that you would have expected uh, in, in this point in the season. Talking with Linnell Willingham here on the BetQL guest hotline. And, you know, there's a possibility here down the stretch that if this team wins tomorrow and maybe finds another way to win a game down the stretch here, that Sam Howell might still be the logical guy for next season. If that's the case, what do you need to see improve the most for him next year? I just think naturally you're going to see him improve in this category the more reps that he's able to get, just being more decisive with the football and and getting the ball out. There there are times where at the quarterback position, even if you get the ball out decisively to the wrong spot, uh, you may still have positive gain. It's just about him being decisive, knowing where to go with the football on a consistent basis. And I think his plan – pre- and post-snap is something that really needs to improve. But once again, he's a young quarterback, so you expect him to struggle in those areas. So it's a very hard evaluation, which is why I continue to say this is a super attractive job based on the resources that you have, five picks in the top 100 uh, and uh, loads of cap room. But there are going to have to be some big-time decisions to be made because you can't tell me, based on the tape that you've seen from Sam Howe, that you're convinced one way or another uh, that he can be a franchise quarterback. And I saw Jordan Reed at ESPN. Uh, there were some comments out floating from him saying that his ceiling may be a top 16 to 20 guy. Realistically speaking, Toby, do you think you can win a championship ultimately with a top 16 to 20 guy? And I think that's what the conversation is going to come down to here in the next couple months. Yeah, that's really intriguing because that, top 16 to 20, that means you're not top half of the league. I mean, you're going to be able to win a Super Bowl with a bottom right. half of the league guy. It's, it's very intriguing. Let's, let's shift to the offensive right. coordinator. I know you're a big fan of EB, mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of him as well. How much of EB's offense do you feel like we've seen, right? I felt like a lot of people were down on EB, myself included, and then Jacoby Brissett comes in, which I didn't necessarily love the decision, but he comes in and the offense looks night and day different. So how much have we honestly seen what EB can do? Yeah, I think that is the big question and why I would be kind of interested to see 
uh, Jacoby Brissett more down the stretch if Sam Howe continues to struggle. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. They went with the mold of throwing a lot on Sam Howe's plate and seeing if he could sink or swim. And it feels like at a certain point in the season, defense is caught up to what they were running because they never were able to evolve. And part of that was Sam's inability to, you know, grasp the offense. And Eric Bannaby talked about it in his press conference this week. Sam is still learning the system. So there are going to be growing pains that he continues to go through, even next year if he comes back as the starter, because he's such a young quarterback and just who he is uh, as a prospect, which is why I say if you feel like a guy like a Jaden Danielson come in and uh, process and see things better, he's a taller kid at 6'4", you go swing at it because realistically speaking, I, I do agree with Jordan Reed with the aspect that Sam is probably just a top 16 to 20 guy. But in terms of Eric's offense, I, I think – we said it. He hasn't been able to put it on full display. I think what we saw in training camp is night and day difference uh, from what we've seen in the regular season. I don't think they've been able to be as diverse in the personnel groupings. We haven't seen as many of the two and three tight end stuff. Cole Turner's inactive on a on a week in week out basis. Uh, I know some of that has to do with the struggles of the offensive line too, but it just feels like Sam or Eric's offense just hasn't been executed. Uh, to the T, and then when Jacoby comes in with nine minutes left to go in the game, I hear people talking about, oh, it's garbage time. Terry McLaurin is dealing with press man coverage at the line of scrimmage. How are they in a prevent defense? And they came in, and he was decisive with the football, and I thought, you know, the enemy highlighted that this week as press Yeah, and to me, like, what has caused that disconnect? You brought up the difference in what we saw in training camp to what we're watching on Sundays. And to me, like at training camp, I thought Jahan Dotson might become the number one receiver. I thought that maybe Terry McLaurin was going to become the number two guy because it looked like Jahan was, you know, playing so well. It looked like we were going to see different things that we haven't seen come into the regular season. What, what do you attribute that to? Is that the offensive line struggling against, you know, competition, uh, real competition? Is it Sam? Is it combination of all these things? Like, why do you think there's a disconnect from what we saw training camp to now? I think part of it is going up against a different opponent on a week-in and week-out basis and being challenged. The coverages aren't so vanilla like they are in training camp, and I know Washington's trying to put in their stuff, but we've complained all year that Washington has a vanilla defense. So think about what they were going against compared to what they're going against now in the regular season. I think here recently in this last month or so, we've seen uh, the defenses that they've played are have been top 10 defenses in the league, and we've seen Sam – in the offense struggle, but I don't think it's one person or one unit in particular, Toby, that you can blame the struggles on. I I, I always say this coaches call plays and plays are designed to execute. If you run them right, there has been 10 guys doing the right thing. And one guy, not too many times this year uh, with this Washington offense, you can mix those numbers around however you'd like from the receivers, not playing with great detail, uh, from the offensive line missing blocks, and then from Sam Howe not letting the football go in hitting guys when it is schemed up and guys are running open. So uh, offense is a complicated thing. Football is a complicated thing, but that's the best way I could put it, just not enough guys on the same page enough. Two more questions here, talking with Linnell Willingham on the BetQL guest hotline. Flipping to the other side of the football defensively, you know, John Allen, Deron Payne, they've been the, the cornerstones of this defense really for the last couple of years. Outside of them, though, are there any guys that you feel like are cornerstone guys? Obviously, you know, the guys you've drafted the last couple of years will be a part of this team next year. But are there guys that you feel like you would stand on the table for and say, I think this guy is you know, a big part of this defense? Or is it something where that whole unit could be restructured next year? It's, it's the million-dollar question and why I keep saying this job is so difficult it's hard to know because I don't believe that they're being coached properly and they're necessarily being put in the best position to succeed on a down-in, a down-out basis. I'll give you a couple of guys in particular, Toby, that performed well last year but have all of a sudden fallen off this year. Benjamin St. Juice, we were singing his praises last mm-hmm. year and talking about you know him potentially breaking through. You talk about all the size that he has and pair that with the athleticism. He's a damn good football player. But this year he struggled uh, on the ball. This year he struggled in technique. It's been a multitude of different things that we've been able to see. So it's interesting with him. Cam Curl is somebody I think that I'd be interested in bringing back, but ultimately not at that top five, you know, money that, you know, people reported that he was looking for. 
I think he's a good player. I don't think he's someone that I'd be paying top five money to. I think he's someone I'm, I definitely want to bring back. Kendall Fuller has played really well this year. You want to have a good mix of, of youth and veterans. He's someone that's from this area and I think is a professional, and I would want to have him as a part of my program if we can make the numbers work and if he's okay being in a rebuilding situation. But you know, outside of that, I mean, it feels like the cupboard's kind of bare. We've seen flashes from guys like Percy Butler. I think the defensive ends is something that's kind of disappointed me a little bit here down the stretch, and I want to see them really break out in here in these next three games. K.J. Henry, Andre Jones being more impactful on a down-in and down-out basis uh, will be huge too. Last one here for you, Linnell. You'll be on once again tomorrow during the game with Denton Day. What do you want to see against the Jets tomorrow afternoon? Just be competitive and lose at the end of the day. I mean, <laughs> that's really all I care about. I mean, and I, and I hate saying it. It's a, it's a weird spot to be in. I'm not used to being in this spot where we're rooting uh, for losses because we're never really out of it this early, right? We've always – Go down to the wire here the last couple of years under Ron Rivera. But, yeah, you're hoping for a, a good loss. I think for the sake of the organization, you need Sam to show well here in these last three games. Because if we're talking about the quickest way to turn this thing around, Toby, I think it's going into next year with Sam Howell as your guy and then insulating the roster around him. And maybe you can be a, a 9-10 win team. But it all depends on how he plays down the stretch. And as I said earlier, if I had to make the decision today, and I was picking at number four overall. I'm bringing in the Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels, to come in and revitalize this organization and set a new culture and tone, man. Jaden Daniels is somebody, Toby, that you'll hear me over the next couple of months banging on the table for because he's an A-plus human being as well. And Washington needs someone to come in here and grab this thing by the horns and reset this entire culture. Hey, man, if there's anything I know about Linnell Willingham, it's never, you know, he's not going to have loud takes or anything that's out of the ordinary, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's got, you, well, you know what's gotten bad in the season too, Linnell. When I saw Doc Walker of all people tweeting, "Well, at least the draft position's good," so it, it it's gotten late. Yeah. It's gotten bad. Things, it's gotten bad. Things that used to not matter matter all of a sudden. It's very crazy. <laughs> Linnell, appreciate the time, man. Have a merry Christmas. You too, my man. There you heard from the youngest in charge, Linnell Willingham. He joined us on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. I want to talk about the quarterback prospects. Are there any that you are sold on? You're all in on. You heard Linnell. He's all in on Jaden Daniels. How about you? We'll talk to you next. 800-636-1067. You want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Any quarterback prospects you absolutely love? We'll talk about it next here on The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.